the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy and ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. My guest this morning is State Department Senior Spokesperson Morgan Ortegas. You can follow her on Twitter at State Department Spox, and Department is shortened, D-E-P-T-S-P-O-X. That's counterintuitive for the uh, Steelers fans out there. I don't know if Twitter will allow her to keep talking, but she is talking <laughs> about Hong Kong, so we're very good to have. I always tell people, by the way, my son works at State with Morgan, so I've got a conflict of interest. I don't hit her with a hammer or anything like that when she comes on. Good morning, Morgan. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having uh, me again. I, I, I laugh about Twitter. Before we go to the serious stuff about Hong Kong, it's the most absurd thing I've ever seen, and I don't think it's going to change you or the secretary's approach to Twitter at all, will it? No, I mean, you know, we're very focused on the international side, so we obviously, I spend a lot of time working with my team trying to figure out how we get our message into places like Iran and China, and obviously uh, those people and, and, and can't often can't use Twitter or Facebook or all these things, so, uh, you know, we're 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 very focused on the people of the world who don't even have access to the internet or, or to, or to unregulated, you know, social media companies. I just talked with Senator Rick Scott. He pointed out that the Ayatollah Khamenei, maybe I pointed that out. He pointed out Nicholas Maduro. Those are two of the preeminent Twitter users that Twitter and Jack don't censor in any way, shape or form. It's a little bit ironic. Well, we see it every day. The editor of the global times, which is the main propaganda outlet of the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. Um, you know, we see him and other uh, Chinese Communist Party officials, their ambassadors are on Twitter around the world, uh, spewing conspiracies. Uh, the, you know, the conspiracy theory that the U.S. Army is the one that spread the coronavirus, um, uh, I believe it first emanated from uh, Chinese officials on Twitter. So their ambassadors around the world are, are prolific users of Twitter. They're still trying to figure it out. Sometimes we laugh a little at their translations. Um, but uh, they certainly, um, we have something at the State Department called the GEC, the Global Engagement Center, and we've uncovered some uh, um, malicious bot networks now that the Chinese are starting to use that mirror actually what the Russians are doing. And it's uh, it's pretty fascinating um, once you start getting into the research of what the GEC has uncovered. Uh, and we'll go back to Hong Kong in just a second, uh, Morgan Ortegas. But when it does come to disinformation campaigns, how does the Department of State, do you hand that off to Homeland Security? Do you alert the companies like Twitter and Facebook that are in, are targeted by the bots? How, how do you alert people that they are, in fact, being used by our adversaries? That's a great question. So our mandate, obviously, at the State Department is overseas. It's, it's international. So anything that touches the domestic side, we, we don't have purview over there. So, yes, we'd hand it over to our sister agencies to approve a purview, like, you know, FBI, DHS, and others. Um, but we do. So Leah Gabriel heads our uh, GEC, and um, she will work behind the scenes with social media companies and say, look, here's what we've uncovered. We think you should look into this. 
We've actually had a couple. Guy Taylor from the Washington Times did a long piece on this as well, as did uh, Betsy uh, Woodruff, um, who's now at Politico. So we've got some good sources uh, out there where, where we have exposed our research, and we try to maybe like every six weeks when we have something that we can unclassify and share with the public, uh, we do try to make sh- make sure people are aware. But the one fascinating thing that I would leave you with on this that I that people probably don't realize that we've uncovered during COVID nineteen. Um, is the is the sort of trifecta between uh, China, Iran, and Russia. Um, so these countries are learning a lot from Russia and their disinformation campaigns. And you will see these three countries. We can see their uh, their malicious networks, you know, on Twitter and and, and other social media companies. Uh, they will start to retweet each other and use the same lines and and, and source each other as uh, you know as the reason for X Y Z conspiracy theory, whatever it is. So the three of them have have definitely we've seen a We've seen the three of them converge together um, in their malicious use of social media. An iron triangle of disinformation. Let's turn to Hong Kong, Morgan Ortegas. Uh, I have been following, and I really tried via the South China Morning Post and a bunch of other sources to find out exactly how many people are being arrested, how widespread are the demonstrations. Can you give us a sense on Friday morning in the United States on the East Coast what it looks like in Hong Kong as the day is ending and the week is ending, a week that goes down in infamy in Hong Kong. Yeah, I, I would encourage your um, viewers to, uh, or your listeners to, to look at uh, Jimmy Lai and Joshua Wong and some other prominent pro-democracy um, activists in Hong Kong that are on Twitter, um, and, and they're giving great updates. I, I think that they are, uh, there's definitely a sense, at least I felt this sense too, and, and talked to other people working in Hong Kong about a week ago, when the Chinese Communist Party signaled at their National, Pe- National People's Congress that they would be voting on this, what they call, quote unquote, national security legislation towards Hong Kong. Um, you know, for me and many others, and, and I think for a lot of these prominent uh, pro-democracy activists in Hong Kong, there was this, you know, just sense of, uh, a sense of dread and really a sense of loss um, because, you know, you knew that the Chinese Communist Party uh, would it, it would have a difficult time uh, not passing this legislation, and, and that was sort of the final nail in, in the coffin for us, for Hong Kong. You know, we had so what happened this week is Secretary Pompeo had delayed by several months a report that he has to submit to Congress. So we submitted it last March. This report uh, certifies the autonomy of Hong Kong from China. Uh, we're required to do that by law. So since we last did that in March of 2019, we saw the extradition law. Um, which essentially said that Hong Kong citizens, you know, for any sort of, you know, infraction uh, could be um, uh, extradited to the mainland, um, which, you know, ensued a year's worth of thousands and thousands of people to the streets in Hong Kong protesting. That, of course, we saw violent uh, crackdowns to those protests, arbitrary arrests and detainment, um, and really an erosion of the, of the, uh, of the rule of law. Um, and then, so you, we've been watching this for a year, and then finally, when China, when the Chinese Communist Party announced that they would be doing for this legislation, we shouldn't, you know, we, we should remind ourselves in this legislation, the National People's Congress are essentially calling the, the freedom-loving, peaceful protesters in Hong Kong, they're calling them terrorists. So they're using the language of national security to call to call free people, to call uh, peaceful protesters terrorists, and, and, and so under the guise of national security, they want to shut down all this, all, all of these protests. Um, so we had to make the very sad decision, the Secretary Pompeo did, in order to uh, certify to Congress this week that we can we can no longer, with a with a straight face, uh, certify to the Congress that Hong Kong is indeed um, 
uh, autonomous from China. Now, I, I want to underscore Jimmy Lai, who's been a guest on this show this month, and his his oh, great. Twitter account is Jimmy Lai Apple. All right, that's very easy to remember. Jimmy L A I capital A P P L E. Jimmy Lai Apple. He only has fifty six thousand followers, and I wish everybody <laughs> in this audience would go and follow Jimmy Lai and retweet because he is becoming sort of the voice of free Hong Kong, and and the fight isn't over. The fact that the law has been passed is not dispositive. They only have 5,000 troops in Hong Kong. But what do you expect to happen there, Morgan? What has the secretary said about what's ahead? So uh, the president has indicated that he's going to have a press conference at 3 p.m., I think around 3 p.m. today, but definitely this afternoon, uh, where he's going to uh, lay out a lot of our options. You know, Hugh, this is one of the things where I think there's a there's there's a pretty big bipartisan consensus uh, of outrage of what the Chinese government um, uh, has is trying to do towards Hong Kong, and so um, there's a lot of there's a lot of places in foreign policy like Iran, JCPOA, and other areas that I deal with, uh, Afghanistan, others which which get highly partisan, you know, very easily. Um, on this one, I've been very very encouraged uh, to see you know both sides of the aisle. Um, uh, speaking out uh, against this legislation. Um, and so w- w- I think the president has a lot of options at his disposal. I know that you have many members of Congress on your show that have probably talked about options. So I- I'm always careful about getting out in front of the president. But, uh, you know, I, want, I just want to say that it, it, it makes me very pleased and proud to work for Secretary Pompeo and President Trump because there has been this tendency, um, and, and this is the third administration that I've worked in, so I've worked for Republicans and Democrats, but there's this tendency sometimes in international relations for those of us not to want to deal with the hard issues and to want to talk about the world as the way we want it to be. And a real fundamental uh, uh, piece of foreign, of foreign policy for Secretary Pompeo is calling out the world exactly the way it is, recognizing reality. Uh, we all love – I think Hong Kong has a special place in the heart of the American people. So many students go there for, for education, you know, maybe to, to take a semester or two abroad. I was in I was on Wall Street for a while, so I have many colleagues, you know, that are desirous to go to Hong Kong and do a tour there for a year or two if you're in business or the financial community. So I think Hong Kong has a special place in the heart of the American people. But we're literally seeing nothing more than a communist takeover of the largest financial hub in Asia. Now, I, I had Senator Chris Coons, Democrat of Delaware, on Wednesday, Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican of South Carolina, on yesterday. You could not tell the difference between them when they spoke about Hong Kong, and that's very good. And they speak in terms of maybe granting residency to Hong Kong students who are here, expelling non-Hong Kong students, mainland students, uh, as a show of displeasure. And the conversation that Robert O'Brien had with Chuck Todd over the weekend, I know that Secretary Pompeo right. said the same thing, which is, we expect global financial centers to migrate to Singapore. Is that what you're expecting if this crackdown continues, Morgan Ortegas, for the banks to leave? You know, we'll see, you know, these these uh, banks, and I worked for one of them that has a major, you know, hub in, in Hong Kong. Uh, they will certainly do a risk assessment um, of, of what is the best um, uh, position for themselves and for their employees. You know, and a lot of these banks, like I said, uh, you have Americans, Britons, you know, uh, other people that, uh, that you know, going to Hong Kong is a, is a massive treasure and opportunity because you want to get experience in Asia, but yet you, you used to be able to be in a, in a free and open system. And now, uh, given what the Chinese Communist Party has decided to do, you're essentially 
uh, going to be living under under the, a communist party uh, type system. So I think, listen, I, I want to also point out to to your uh, listeners that we put out a joint statement the United States did yesterday with uh, the United Kingdom, uh, Canada, and Australia uh, condemning um, this action from the National People's Congress. And I think that's so important that our allies are standing up with us and, and, and speaking up with us, especially those countries who signed on to the joint statement. I think that this is a pivotal moment in history. I think this is a moment of history that, you know, my children, our grandchildren are going to look back and study because uh, this is the moment where every democracy, everyone who loves freedom around the world stood up to be counted. Um, and they either stood up to the Chinese Communist Party and stood up for, for the rule of law or 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 they didn't. And, and I think there's going to be a lot of shame on the people who did it. Well said, Morgan Ortega. It is certainly bipartisan. It is nonpartisan. I am glad to hear it as an alliance issue. And I'm glad I did not know about that declaration. I will go and read that during the break. Morgan Ortega, thanks for spending so much time for us this morning. Again, follow Jimmy Lie Apple and follow State Department SPOCs. And it's State, D-E-P-T, S-P-O-X, to find out what Morgan is tweeting out every day as the Hong Kong crisis continues. Thank you, Morgan Ortega. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. I want to talk to you for a moment about a group I've done work with for years, ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. You've seen how your freedom is under attack? Go to townhallreview.com to find out how you can join Alliance Defending Freedom to help ensure the opponents of freedom don't dictate your future. That's townhallreview.com. If you enjoy your podcast, take a moment, tell a friend to subscribe today. This is David Davenport of the Hoover Institution for townhall.com. If you can think back to the beginning of the coronavirus crisis, the emergency that prompted the government to lock things down and impose regulations was the concern that the public health system would be overrun. The case for aggressive government mandates was to bend the curve and keep the health care system up and running. Happily, those days appear to be over. The curve is bent. The health care system has survived. So then why are so many of us still under strict government mandates and lockdowns? The answer is that we should not be. The danger now is to the health of individuals, and most decisions for the health of individuals are best made by the citizens. The role of government needs to shift now to one of giving information, not orders, to warning but not mandating. Government must begin its own return to normalcy. I'm David Davenport. Religious liberty is under attack. Alliance Defending Freedom is on the front lines of defense. Click on the banner at townhallreview.com. 